want you to turn with me to Luke, the 24th chapter. Forty-ninth verse, or forty-sixth verse. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Luke, the twenty-fourth chapter. said unto them, Thus it is written, Thus it behooved Christ to suffer, to raise from the dead the third day, that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem till ye be endued with power from on high. Pray and ask God to bless you. Read the reading of his word tonight. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we give you praise. We thank you for the opportunity of talking about your word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, God, we ask you to minister to the needs, and you see every need that is represented here tonight. And you're here to meet that need, and to heal that body, and to save that soul. And we give you praise for this, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. You know, this is a wonderful <clears throat> portion of Scripture that we've read. I remember when I had read it, and I've read it many, many times, and I know that you probably have too. There was a certain time that I read this portion of Scripture, and it's a little different. I was pastoring in North Long Beach at the time. The church had bought me a new Bible. It was a layman's parallel Bible. And many of you are familiar with that, four different types of translations of the Bible. I went in my office and I sat down and I opened the Bible and I began to look through it. I was real pleased. I love Bibles. Something about Bibles just blesses me. I've got more Bibles and you've got books. Amen. I've got Bibles everywhere and I still buy more. And somebody asked me one time, said, why do you buy so many Bibles? I said, well, I just love Bibles. Got them in my car, got them in my camper, got them in my house. I just love Bibles. And so I was pleased with this big, beautiful new Layman's parallel translation. They got me a big, beautiful brown cover, and I have to open it up, and I threw it open, and it just fell to this portion of Scripture. And I started to read it, and I read it in the book of Luke, the King James Version. And then I looked over across the page. Um, I noticed that the Amplified New Testament and the Revised Standard Version had translated this. The last part there in the 49th verse, it says, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry you until in the city of Jerusalem until you be clothed with power. Clothed! 
And I thought what an interesting difference that really makes when you think about being actually clothed and garmented with the power of the Holy Ghost upon your life to be a witness for Jesus Christ. You know, we need the power of God upon us. We talk about an indubitable power, but when you think of it in the sense of a clothing, you say, well, how do you know it's right? Well, I don't know, but it sounds good. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Hallelujah. We know that it's the Holy Spirit and it's His power and He works it that way. Amen? A queen is clothed in power. I remember a few years back when I watched the crowning of Queen Elizabeth on television when I was a young man and how they put that robe upon her. When she had that robe upon her life and upon her body, it represented an authority that she had. Now, I got a real education out here in Arizona. I don't know if I told you about that or not. I'm from California. And I happened to be going down to the door over in uh, Tucson. And we were in the process of doing many other things that I was hurrying. And I was going from Phoenix to Tucson. And I was running late. And I was just kind of pouring the coals to my car to get there in time and do work for Jesus. I don't believe in breaking the law. I'm just going to do work for Jesus. <laughs> And I was hurrying along the highway, and I shot by this beautiful Thunderbird. I kind of noticed the car, and there was a fellow riding with me, and I said, Bill, I said, I just got a strange feeling inside. I've passed a policeman. Amen. He turned around, and he looked, and he said, No, brother, it's not a policeman. There's just a pretty Thunderbird. I said, Well, I noticed the car, a little bitty uh, four-foot Barney Five with orange-rimmed glasses on down there behind the steering wheel. I said, I still feel like I passed the policeman. He said, well, really, it isn't. He kept looking back, and I said, I don't know. I, I don't get these feelings very often. I'm going to slow down. I slowed down for a while, and I watched him, and he didn't make any moves at all. I said, well, you must be right. I said, I sure. I, I just had a strange feeling I passed the policeman. I went that way for a couple of miles, and all of a sudden, I saw that Thunderbird begin to increase speed. It was just kind of a light green with a vinyl roof on it, and that little four-foot Barney Five reached down onto the floor, pulled out a big hat, slipped out a coat, and put it on with badges and the whole bit, and all of a sudden, right up out of the, looked like it came from nowhere, a red light, instant police, hallelujah. He stepped out. I said, they don't do things like that in California. He smiled. He said, well, you're not in California now. You're in Arizona. <laughs> no matter how big that man was or no matter what he said, I respected that hat, that uniform, that red light because it represented authority. And a queen, when she puts on the robe, the robe, she may be a, uh, just an individual, nothing in herself but that robe represents the authority, the power that she has. A judge, when he puts on his robe, sits behind the desk with that hammer in his hand. He has authority. And was clothed with authority and with power when he put on the priest's robe. He would stand before the Israelites to minister unto them. Even Jesus was clothed with power when the Holy Spirit descended upon him and he was covered with the power and the anointing of Jesus Christ 
And the little woman pressed in through the crowd and touched the hem of his garment. He was clothed with the power of God. Now I want you to think about this scripture tonight that we've read. Jesus told his disciples, he said, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remissions of sin should be preached. This is what it's all about, that remission of sin should be preached to a lost world, that we should go forth to tell men and women about Christ Jesus in, the name of all, in His name in all nations, beginning first at Jerusalem and then spreading out from there. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye. Now listen to how he said that. You're going to go out and you're going to preach. You're going out and you're going to tell all nations about Jesus Christ. You're going out and perform miracles in the name of Jesus. And these signs and wonders are going to confirm the words that you speak in my name to lead people to Jesus. But tarry. Tarry ye, wait. Tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued or clothed with a power from on high. Now, brother, I don't care how you look at it or what you feel about Pentecost or the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the anointing of God with power, you can't get around what he said. I want you to go out and preach the gospel. I went up to... Las Vegas about a week ago and held a revival for a headless body. Amen. There was problems, believe me, a lot of them. And I remember one young man came up to me and he said, You mean to tell me, brother, that because I have not spoken with the unknown tongue, I don't have the Holy Ghost? I said, Yeah, I mean to tell you that. You haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit. You mean to say that you can't have it without speaking in tongues? Yeah, that's the way I believe. Well, I've got it. I said, well, I'm not going to argue with you. If you believe you've got it, praise God. Go on. But the Word of God doesn't confirm that. He said, you mean I can't perform miracles? I said, well, you're going to be greatly hampered. There's people that you can pray for, and I believe that there's a lot of people. Maybe they haven't received the Holy Spirit, and they can agree with some brother, and that brother believes and has faith. And God honors what they believe, and there's a miracle or something takes place, but there's a great hindrance. I can't say that a person that doesn't believe in the Holy Spirit, a Baptist, has never seen anybody healed. can't say that. But there's a hindrance. He said, not at all. I don't speak in tongues. Everybody I pray for is healed. Never missed once. He said, now I'm ready to argue. You're a liar. Amen. He said, who are you calling a liar? I said, you. Nobody, you can't come up here and tell me that everybody said, would you like me to produce three or four people for you right now and you heal every one of them? Well, 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 I, I don't know about that. You see, this man was just trying to deceive himself. Jesus himself, when he spoke to those disciples, he said, now you're going out, you're going to preach the gospel, you're going to tell men and women about Christ, but wait! Don't do it yet. Terry, 
hold on until you be endued or till you be enclosed with a power from on high until I have given you the very power and the authority that you need. Now, how could Jesus say a thing like that? Disciples who had been in the Jesus College for three years. I believe in this ministry of discipleship. Come on. But here was disciples. And brother, I, I, I can't think of any thought, anybody that I'd rather be discipled by than Jesus himself. Having him impart into me the truth of God. Having him minister to me the power. These men had sat under his teaching. They had walked with him. They talked with him. They'd seen his power. They'd seen his authority. And this had been done for three solid years. Not only that, but he'd send them out. He had already sent them out to perform miracles and to heal. And to cause great and mighty things to happen. Jesus had done that. Now, these men, after sitting under his ministry, after being taught, after being ministered to by this one who was perfect and great and powerful in all of his ways, he said, even though I've taught you the whole bit, carry me. Wait until you be endued with power. Listen, church, there's absolutely nothing in this world that will supplement for the clothing of the Holy Ghost upon your life. There's nothing that will take the place of the power of God moving through you as an individual to minister the gospel of Jesus. Oh, there's a lot of people that start. Uh, there's a lot of people that meet a certain thing. Uh, there's some that fill up a church. Uh, there's some that may do great things, but they're still missing uh, the mark of the perfection of the body of Jesus Christ uh, because they're not operating in the power of the Holy Ghost. Bully for you. I know a man that pastored a church with 5,000 people. And it pastored. He was getting up there in years. Pastored for 50 years. And he finally got saved. Think about that. 5,000 people for 50 years and he wasn't even a Christian. And when he got saved, they fired him. Hallelujah. We don't want any fanatics like that around here. Now, numbers isn't always the answer. I'm sure God does honor us and He blesses and He brings people in. But the perfection, the developments, the growth, the ministry, the power of Jesus Christ that is set down in the terms that the Bible has laid it out, that's the most important thing. Uh, leading men and women in the way. Oh, there's a lot of people that will follow anything, church. God wants men and women full of the anointing, clothed with the power of God, who can produce and who can see miracles and who can see the power of Jesus Christ manifest through their life. I read in the Bible of Jesus Himself. The Jews, they spoke about Him. They said, He spoke as one having authority. They said when John and James and Peter and those others who had followed out Him, they spoke as having authority. What did they mean they spoke as having authority? Authority to a Jew would have been a leader. A leader, a religious man who had the law. Who come and said, this is the way it is. If you're unstable, you're never going to be able to speak with authority. Authority comes through the anointing of Jesus Christ, having your mind and your body and your spirit clothed with the Spirit of God and standing upon the promise and speaking it in the power of Jesus Christ and remaining steadfast on that promise that God has placed with you. Hallelujah. 
They had seen miracles. They had seen the death of Jesus. They had seen the resurrection of Jesus. He'd already come out of the tomb. Man, that's enough to cause a revival right there. What do you think would happen to you if you'd actually seen Jesus after he'd died and come back to life? And they'd seen that. But even in the midst of all that they had seen, Jesus said, you're still not ready. You might want to be. You followed me. You've forsaken all. You've put it aside. But you're still not ready to be a full-fledged minister of the gospel, a witness of Jesus Christ. Tarry ye until you be clothed with power. Hallelujah. Until the power of God rests upon your life and is upon you. Glory to God. We need the clothing of the Holy Spirit upon our life to do a work for Jesus. Clothing is for a concealment, church. You see me standing up here tonight preaching the gospel, you don't really see me. You see my clothing. Clothing's got me covered up. You might see a bulge here and there. You still see it through the clothing. Clothing is a concealment. And it conceals our bodies. It's a curtain behind which we hide. You know, a lot of people, they have a... Uh, really cover themselves up with their clothing. We'll get into that later. Hallelujah. I'm not a clothesline preacher, but I think there's a lot to be said about it. It's a curtain behind which we hide. And when the Comforter comes down, the power, the Holy Spirit, the clothing of God, and garments and clothes up with the power of God, the human is no longer seen. And that's what I like, church. Glory to God. You know, I've had people tell me about great ministries of the gospel. And they say, oh, people have got their eyes on a man. Eyes on a man. Well, I've heard that so much I get sick of it. It's very hard to get people to get their eyes on God, let alone on a man. Amen. And they say, oh, they got their eyes on a man. They're just going down there because of a man or because of an individual. Listen, when you're clothed with the power of God and clothed and garmented with the Spirit of Jesus Christ, the human is no longer seen. And that's the reason why there's a lot of people that is not able to produce anything for God. They're never able to heal the sick, never able to set anybody free. is because they are so willing to exercise their own will that the human side is not willing to be made invisible by the vesture. I have to cover myself with the power of God. And when I'm up here preaching the gospel, I don't want you to see John Messel. I want you to see Jesus. Hallelujah. I want you to see the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to see the anointing of the Spirit of God moving and ministering to the needs of God's people. Hallelujah. Now, the Bible has a lot to say about clothing. It says, put on the robe of righteousness, bring forth the best, Bring forth the best robe and put it upon him. Said unto her, Granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For fine linen, clean and white, for fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. Now clothing is not only for a concealment to cover our bodies, but clothing is for an identification. It marks you out. It identifies the sexes. At least you used to anyway. Amen. It identifies the sexes. The Bible says the woman shall, shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on that which a woman's garment. For all that do so is an abomination unto the Lord. Before you get too caught away there in that little 
scripture that we just read, when it was read, when it was written, women wore pants and the men wore skirts. Hallelujah. So don't be looking around any of your sisters around here that might have on a pair of pants tonight and said, see that hypocrite here? She doesn't have on a dress. That's not what we're saying at all. What God is talking about is a woman that would dress up like a man or a man that would dress up like a woman. These are abomination under the sight of God. Our clothing is an identification. It marks us out. We can see what kind of a person they are. Clothing is not only uh, an identification for the sexes, but it's a personal identification. Anybody can see some bright thing walking down the street and say, why, there goes John Metzler. Amen. Don't be afraid to say amen. I've been called a dude for six years around here. I know what it's all about. Glory to God. In fact, I heard one of the young preachers stand up testifying. He said, I saw this dude come in. I thought, man, the way that guy dresses. And he said, now I find myself doing the same thing. Hallelujah. It's an identification. You can tell. I, I go through the store see some suits hanging on the wall, I say, you know, Brother Mitchell like that. That's just the kind of thing he'd like to wear. Come on. So-and-so would like that. It looks like. You ever say that? It's an identification. And a lot of times people that have similarities in their character and in their thinking will choose similar type of clothing because it's an expression of the type of an individual that you are. Although clothing does mark you out. Hides the man, it also releases him and marks him out so that people will know. I can remember when I was in high school, clothing was a very important thing. All the fellas, they got Levi's a little loose, so you pull them down below your hips. Have about a six inch bag in the pants. And then wore a black leather jacket and turned the collar up. That was a status symbol, that represented something. In other words, anybody that would be picking on you when they saw the collar up and the pants down, that meant better stay away from him. So you didn't get bothered that way. Come on. You know how it is. It happens today down on the streets. Everybody's got their own little walk, you know, because it's associating with other people. And they want to be accepted. They want to be seen. They want to be noticed. I remember I, I, I met Larry Reed right after he got out of jail before... God really got a hold of him. And brother, if you could have seen that man walk, that's something you'd never forget the rest of your life. It was something else. I couldn't believe it. But you know, when God really got a hold of him, he transformed his walk, his look, his smell, everything about him. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. That's the way the Holy Ghost works. Too many of God's people walking around with the look and the ideas and the attitude and the smell of the world. Hallelujah. Go on before I get the metal in there. It's true. I told you about the old fellow that God saved him. He kept coming back to me and said, I know I'm saved and God delivered me from my alcohol, but it don't hurt me to chew Copenhagen. And I said, brother, if it don't hurt you, why do you keep coming around and telling me about it? Well, I want to know if it's wrong. I said, you just told me it wasn't. Well, I want to be sure. I said, the very fact that you're not sure tells me that you know it isn't. Amen. You know, I believe there needs to be a covering. Glory to God. 
garmenting of the power of God. We need that to protect us today. Uh, the covering, the clothing, the anointing of Jesus Christ uh, that we might be able to minister the power of God to the lost and to the dying uh, and tell the message of Jesus just like God spoke to them in the beginning. You're going to go out. You're going to preach. You're going to do all these things. But until you're ready, you can't do it. So tarry until you're clothed. And when you get on that invisible shield, hallelujah. Glory to God. Just like these fast action fellows on TV, they have their bulletproof vests. Somebody shoots them with a machine gun, knocks them 50 feet, and they get up and shake the bullets out and walk away. We need the clothing of the Holy Spirit because I'm not fooling with somebody with a machine gun. I'm fooling with the devil. Amen. Unseen powers, unseen forces of hell. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and rulers of darkness. You're not ready until you be in tune with power from on high, Jesus said. Tarry ye until you're clothed with this power. You know, just like we said, the power and the clothing of the gospel always marks you out. Spirit-possessed person is always recognized. Everybody can tell it. You don't have to say too much. They know it. He's different. And they can see it. And they can recognize it in his character when he walks in. I've had people say, what's the matter with that guy? I don't like it around here. One fellow said, why? He said, well, I don't know. He said, well, what's wrong with him? He said, I don't know what's wrong. He's just different. See, they know, they can represent it, they can see it. A spirit-possessed person is always recognized, and he's marked out because he has the clothing of the Spirit of God upon his heart and his life. I've even seen these people that have, that have known God all their life, and then suddenly being filled with the Spirit of God. I can remember when I was younger and I'd given my heart to the Lord, and I got saved, and I knew it was real. There was no question about it. I walked out of the church, and the grass looked greener, and the sky looked bluer, and the birds sounded like they were in tune for a change, and everything was different. And it, I, I could sense it was real. But, you know, I went on for a while, and I, 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 you don't have to do this. I didn't know better, but you don't have to do this. I sought for three years. I tarried before I got the Holy Ghost. And I was sincere. Brother, I wasn't just praying every once in a while. Every time there was an altar call, every time the chance was given, I was down on my knees saying, God, fill me, God, fill me, God, fill me, God, fill me. Nothing happened. And I went on, but I was persevering. I wouldn't quit. I just kept going. Year after year, until finally at the end of the third year, they had a fellow on the radio, and he said, now we're going to have a special Holy Spirit night in Angelus Temple. And he said, we're going to pray for people to get the Holy Spirit and to be filled and endued with power. And he said, if you don't have that experience and you want it, you come Saturday night. He said, if you do have it, if you don't have it and you don't want it, better stay home because if you're in this service, you're going to receive it. How to do, nothing has happened, and now I've got to receive that Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And I went to that service, and brother, I was there early. I got down on the front row. And I waited and I, with an expectancy. And when he got up and began to preach, and he put it in such a positive way, not that we're going to tarry here half the night. When I get through preaching, I'm going to pray for you, and you're going to get the Holy Ghost, and that's the way it is. And I sat there just waiting, and finally when the time got that he gave everybody an opportunity, I was down there, I threw my hands in here. I said, now, God, I'm going to have the Holy Spirit tonight. And I said, Lord, I don't care if I have to stay here all night long and keep the custodian up. I'm not leaving this place till I get the Holy Ghost. You know that man came by and laid hands on me. 
And praise God, I went to in a, into a spirit of ecstasy. And I don't remember too much except just shouting and praising God. I wasn't concerned about people. Hallelujah. About an hour and a half, I woke up underneath the grand piano. Praise God. Full of a joy, clothed in the power of God, with an authority upon my life that I had never recognized before. And I'll tell you something, it was obvious. Everybody said, my Lord, what's happened to John? There was a brightness about my character that never existed before. There was an enthusiasm. Man, that's all I wanted to talk about was Jesus. I wanted to tell other people about it. I came walking down the street saying, hallelujah, praise God. I was afraid to even say amen before that. I couldn't do anything. I went back to the church and I got so excused and so excited about this that I started getting people and dragging them down to the altar. And at first the pastor got a little bit excited about it because he didn't know what I was doing. I saw these people had never received the Holy Spirit. But when I started praying for them, they started speaking in tongues. He said, leave him alone. Leave him alone. And you know, we went on this way, me and my friend. And I'll tell you, that we had 60-some people baptized in the Holy Ghost in two weeks. Praise God. Oh, I'll tell you, something began to happen. Things started taking place because I had received a clothing upon my life that gave me power to operate and to minister and to do the works of Jesus Christ. Glory to God. No, I believe any of the gifts of the Spirit. The Bible talks about faith, gift of faith. You can have faith in God without having a gift of faith. It talks about uh, word of knowledge. There's a natural knowledge, but there's a supernatural knowledge. And there's many things that can parallel with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so people can sit back in a, in, in a nominal way and say, well, I'm a Christian, and so... I've got knowledge, and I have the Holy Spirit. I was saved by the Holy Spirit, and I, I, I can do a lot of things. I have faith, and I have this. But, brother, you're limiting your life. The Holy Spirit, if you want to go out and move a big pile of dirt, you can stand there with a spoon and fool with it all day long, or you can have a crane come in and pick it up in about three bites. When you get the Holy Ghost, that's what's happening. Praise God. You're in dude. You're clothed with the power that caused Jesus to minister in the way that He ministered. Caused Jesus to touch lives, lead them to God, perform miracles. He that believeth on Me, the works that I do shall He do, and greater works than these shall He do, because I have to go back to the Father. You're going to go to the world, starting from Jerusalem, preaching in every direction, leading men and women to God, but tarry until you've got the power. Tarry spirit but the holy spirit garments you and clothes you now clothing not only marks you out but it's for warmth brother in these evenings up here now i you need it i didn't bring enough clothing i didn't bring any coats i didn't think it's going to be this cold it gets cold it's warm and in the cold of this world in the midst of the blizzard of materialism and sensualism and lax lives that people are living today. We need the warm clothing of the Holy Ghost upon our lives for protection of our spirits. We need to be covered. Hallelujah. We're not fighting flesh and blood, church. There is confusion. There is problems. There is difficulties that will lead you astray. But I get concerned when I think about a lot of people that take so lightly the movings of God's Holy Spirit. 
There are people that are out there and they've been deceived. They've been brought into bondage, bringing, believing a lie. Spirits of confusion have come by and filled their minds with things that have been frustrating. Our sister was talking tonight about mental depression. And it's inward. Brother, I'll tell you it's inward. It's a devil. That's what it is. Just a plain old devil. Sometimes I'll be walking down the street. And I'll start to get a little bit depressed. I'll think, now what's wrong? I begin to recognize there's nothing but the powers of the enemy. And I'll say, you foul devil, get out of here. I haven't got time to listen to that stuff. Beat it! And begin to rejoice in the praises of God. And you know it lifts. And the reason why we're seeing more depression upon the world today is because there are more spirits loosed, working, and trying to cause the breakdown of the church and hindering the saints of God. And listen, if you're not covered and garmented and clothed with the power of the Holy Ghost, you're open prey for the powers of the devil. That's why Paul said in a vision, put on the armor of God. Hallelujah. Covering the body. Shield of faith. Helmet of salvation. The breastplate of righteousness. Having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. This thing isn't something that you just learn the knowledge of a church. You can hear your pastor preach and somebody tell you about the ways of God. And say in your mind, I know how it is. I've got it all figured out. I know what the word says. Well, that don't mean anything. Those disciples who had sat under Jesus' teaching for, third, for three years knew a lot more than you did. But Jesus said, wait. I've got something more for you that's going to help you to go. you got to be clothed with the power. Hallelujah. Because you're going out into a blizzard. You're going out into a warfare. Paul said, he said that there's going to be uh, the shield of faith wherewith you may withstand the fiery darts of the wicked that the enemy is going to take and shoot flaming arrows, fiery darts of unbelief and confusion and foul thoughts into your minds. And if you're not clothed and prepared to resist the powers of the enemy, to overcome him by the Spirit of God, you're not going to make it. Now we need to see the clothing is for a warmth to cover and to protect and to shield our spiritual man from the outer things of this world that would destroy and cause us to lose out of God's best for our life. Hallelujah. The mantle of the Holy Spirit, just like the mantle of Elijah. The mantle of the Holy Spirit is our covering, wrapped around us with power and with authority. Glory to God. As Elijah passed on his mantle to Elisha, and Elisha went forth doing the works of God, he was a type of Jesus Christ, and so did Jesus that day. From the day of Pentecost, Passed on his mantle upon the church, and we can wrap it around us, be covered and be clothed with his power to witness and to tell men and women about Jesus. Clothing is also for an adornment. Clothes are believed to enhance the beauty. That's why I like to put on nice clothes. I need all the help I can get. That's why we do it. Clothes are for an adornment or they are to enhance beauty. If people realize that there's nothing more becoming than the clothing of the Spirit, you know when I meet somebody, I'm not as impressed with the suit that he's wearing as I am with the Spirit that man. 
I can meet somebody that has a beautiful, loving, sweet spirit of God and clothed and garments with the Holy Ghost. And I think, man, that fellow's got something. He's got a beautiful spirit about him. I don't care if he's got a suit that'll knock your eyeball out. If he's got a bad spirit about him, you don't like it. Clothing is supposed to be for the beauty, but the Holy Spirit's clothing is one of the most beautiful things that you'll ever put upon your life. It'll shine forth. The world will see it and they'll know that there's something in your heart and your life that they're missing. First Peter 3, 3 and 4 says, Whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of the plaiting of the hair, or the wearing of gold, or the putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart. The hidden man of the heart. In that, which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit. You missed a good place to say amen. Hallelujah. Women can work on sometimes it takes them four or five hours to finish the hairdo they work on. Amen. And all the other things that they put on. I'm not a clothesline preacher. I know that doesn't do any good. I've seen preachers do it for years. They'd get up there and say, bless your heart, women. You wash all that Maybelline out of your eyes. Get it all. You got your fingernails painted up like dripping blood. Or maybe they're blue like they've been beat with a hammer or something of that nature. Amen. I'm not really turned on by all that stuff, but I don't preach about it. They go on and on and on, take all these things off, get rid of it. Don't do that. Don't do this. You've got to have your hair in a special knot. If you don't wear this or do that, you're going to be lost. Carrying on and on your life is an example. I don't preach like that because it wouldn't do any good. All it does is stimulate a false sense of pride. Amen. I've seen some of these women that they preach. Here's a poor woman sitting there. He says, get that fingernail polish that makes your fingers look like dripping blood, and they'll tuck them under. And... Talk about the earrings and this, and they pull it all off, and they're so conspicuous in that service. And they hear that two or three times, and next day they come out. Look at me now. I'm holy. See? Proud of a voluntary act of humility. Did it on themselves. Whether it's by the Spirit of Jesus Christ. He said, beautified by a meek and a quiet spirit. Hallelujah. And that doesn't mean you're not supposed to praise God. In no way. That's one of the most beautiful adorning is upon a woman is a meek and a quiet spirit. He's talking about a forward heart that's always trying to stick his nose out in front of everybody and let everybody know how big he is and how great he is or how wonderful she is. God says, you don't need to do that. You don't need to toot your own horn. Somebody said, if I don't toot it, nobody will toot it for me. Well, the Holy Spirit toots mine. Hallelujah. And all I have to do is withdraw myself and let Him go forth. John the Baptist said, I must decrease. He must increase. Hallelujah. John the Baptist was missing a great blessing that you and I had. He was wonderful. Jesus came to those people and He saw them there. It was John, a great man that preached the gospel in power and authority. Did wonderful things. They stood there and looked out at John, wondered what kind of a fanatic he was. Wore a camel's hair robe, ate locusts and wild honey. Jesus said, what would you go out there to see? 
reed shaking in the wind. But what went you out to see? A prophet? He said, I'll tell you more than a prophet. For of them born of women, there is none greater than John the Baptist. But he that is least in the kingdom is greater than he. You know, when the Holy Spirit descended on the day of Pentecost, the kingdom of God and the fullness of God came upon man. John didn't have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He had wonderful experience and God was with him, but he had not had the baptism as we know it on the day of Pentecost. And brother, when I read that and I saw it, I thought, bless God, I may be least in the kingdom, but I'm greater than John the Baptist. Because I've got a clothing upon me that he never possessed, an anointing and a power and authority that can only come from the Spirit of God. Hallelujah! What authority we have to do a work for Jesus Christ today. And if you haven't availed yourself of that opportunity, you're missing one of the greatest experiences in your life. I remember a good friend of mine come to a revival service that I was holding out in California. At that time, he was not a good friend of mine. I had never even met him, but he was a Baptist man, a very fine individual, a businessman. He came into the service, and he'd never seen such goings-on in all of his life. Here were people clapping their hands, shouting, and praising and magnifying the name of the Lord. And we had one old brother there. His name was Slipkoff. He was out of the Russian Mollycons. And... I'm not in this dancing scene. I don't I, I don't buy that. I see some of them, they go in there and get everybody dancing and gyrating around the place, and it's not the Holy Ghost. It's just a bunch of foolishness as far as I'm concerned. But this old brother, every once in a while, the power of God move on him in an unusual manner, and he'd take off. And he wasn't offensive. He didn't do it offensively. He wasn't doing it to be showing a scene. He was an older man of... Up in his 60s, long gray beard, white hair, and he had the love of Jesus and the tears would be streaming down his face. And you'd see the beauty of this man, great, big, tall, lanky old fellow, legs about as big around as my wrists. And just, boy, he'd sprint up and you never saw anything like it in your life. He'd come down the aisles with his arm out like this, that beard streaming behind him. First time I saw him, I wondered what on earth. And he come just floating across the platform, grabbed me, and threw his arms around me. We went around the platform about two or three times. He released me right here at the pulpit again, went on down, shook hands with three or four people. I'll tell you, he felt the power of God. This Baptist man, he'd never seen anything like that before. He sat out there, and he went back, and he told a whole group of people, he said, my God, you've got to come and see this. He said, I've heard of people... Being in the Spirit. That's why I went out there, because of the Spirit thing. But he said, I've heard them talking in the Spirit, singing in the Spirit. But he said, you're not going to believe this. But he said, they fly in the Spirit down there. He said, that man's flying. Now, I'll admit, he looked like he was off the ground half the time. He looked like a big eagle just getting ready to take off. And we had a whole swarm of those Baptist people come out to watch us fly. Hallelujah. And you know the Holy Spirit got a hold of them and he was one of the first ones and he came up there and a number of others came with them. 
And I remember I prayed for that brother, and the power of God hit him, and he began to speak in the unknown tongue and went down upon the floor under the power of God's Holy Spirit, just rejoiced in the Spirit of God. Hallelujah! Something got a hold of him. And he was never the same. He just became a downright fanatic, preaching everywhere, everybody in sight. Just a few years later, he went through a very traumatic, tragic experience. His wife died, a young woman in her 40s. He had many children. I was very close to him at that time. Went and prayed with her before she passed away. I prayed with him. And I've never in all my life seen anything like this in all my life. They brought that woman. You could have seen this. You, you could have never denied the power of the Holy Ghost. She had gotten filled with the Holy Ghost too. And I administered to her and she knew it was her time. And when they brought that corpse into that funeral home, we had two services, one in the funeral home and one in the church. And he says, I want you to just preach hellfire and brimstone. I'm going to have sinners here, people from my family everywhere. I want them to hear it. And they brought in. I walked up. I looked at the casket. And when I looked into the casket, believe me, church, it's the strangest thing ever. I burst out and began to laugh. I looked at her and I just laughed. I couldn't control it. And I was praying, I said, God, help me stop this. These people are here to, to bereave and then to suffer because of their death of their loved one. And here I am up here laughing like an idiot. And I just kept laughing and it got worse and worse and worse. And I laughed so hard that it got loud and tears were streaming down my cheek. And all of a sudden as I stood there feeling so ashamed, I didn't look ashamed. I was, I was on cloud nine. But I felt so ashamed I felt his big arm come around me. I turned around, and there was her husband, and he was laughing too. Just laughing at the storm. He said, Brother, don't feel bad. He said, The same thing happened to me in the hospital when I saw her. That woman had the most joyous expression as though she had just... No mortician could have ever put that upon her. It had been as though she had just seen Jesus. Just The joy, I can't explain it. My Lord, I would to God I'd have taken a picture of that woman. I have never, ever seen anything like that in my life. And we all begin to laugh. And we were rejoicing and praising God. We got some of those sinners down there on their knees, crying out to God to be saved. And do you know afterwards he came up to me and he said, John, he said, there's something i got to say to you. And he said, if God used you to do anything in my life, he said, the most glorious thing you've ever done for me is when you prayed for me to receive the Holy Spirit. He said, I know now what this means. He said, I couldn't have gone through this if it hadn't been for the Holy Ghost. But he said, because I have been endued, because I am clothed with a power, he said, that has given me a joy, an infinity with God and with my wife. He said, I know where she is. There's no suffering. He said, I'm not sorrowing as others do who have no hope. I've got a joy. And God's given me strength and power to go through this thing. And he said, what? tremendous joy it is because he said I know I'm going to be with her before long oh I'll tell you you tell me there's nothing in this world that will measure to the Holy Ghost you go through trials hallelujah some people think you're downright disrespectful because of the way you act in situations and it's not because you're not suffering 
It's not, you know, some people, they don't, little problems get them down and they wail and beller. But when you have the love and the joy and the clothing and the garment of the Holy Ghost upon your life, it gives you a power to be able to reach out and overcome and to look at problems as though they really didn't mean anything at all. It's difficulties as though they're not nearly as bad as the world would suffer because you've got an inward peace within you that nothing else can bring. Man, I wouldn't trade that. Hallelujah. Take everything I've got. But you can't take that away from me. It's with me until I go on to be with Jesus and then I'll keep it throughout the aeons of eternity and I'm going to be shouting and carrying on for Jesus for aeons. Hallelujah. On and on and on and on and on because I've got something that you can't take away. Hallelujah. You can't give it to me. You can't get it from me. There may be a lot of people disturbed about your life or your attitudes. They can never take it away from you. This is the greatest thing next to your salvation that you'll ever get is the infilling, the endowment, the clothing with power from on high to do that work for Jesus Christ. Now, clothing is not only for an adornment. That adornment is so sweet and so beautiful upon the lives of people that's got it. See those without it. Stood their smile turning up, you know, it goes upside down, goes down. Come on. Hippies say this means peace, but I say it means victory. Praise God. Amen. You take that victory, you plant it right on the corner of your mouth and push. Praise God. It'll spread out on your face. No wonder some people don't get anybody saved. They don't have this endowment of power. They come out to somebody on the street with their mouth upside down. Brother, you need what I've got. He says, my God, I'm glad I haven't got it. And he gets out of there before he catches it. Brother, the clothing of the Holy Spirit is an adornment that people see and recognize. They know you got something. Sure they do. They can see it. They hear about it. The testimonies, the expressions upon your face. Even if you're not, I'm not the kind of person that smiles a lot because my smile, my mouth don't go that direction. I get an expression of smile on my face, but I'm happy. One lady said, how come you don't smile all the time? I said, sister, whether I smile all the time or not, I haven't got nothing to do with it. It's there. But they can see that peaceful. They know that God is in your heart, in your life. There's something there. You're just able to go on. Praise God. Glory to Jesus. Clothing is not only for that beauty. Clothing is for an authority. Now, I told you about the Arizona policeman. He didn't make much of an impression on me until he reached down in the seat and got the hat and the coat and the badge and a red light. Before he did that, to me, he was nothing. But when he put that on, that represents something. He may have been a little bitty man. I might have been able to stomp him into the ground. But what he represented would do me in. Come on. I heard about a police officer over in England somewhere that apprehended a criminal. Pulled him over, but he didn't have any bullets in his gun. The criminal came with his hands erected. You could see down the chamber the policeman's gun. And he saw there were no bullets in it. So he just took his hands down and beat the socks off the cop. Almost killed him. Now, the whole truth of the matter was the cop had the authority, but he didn't have the enablements. And when we talk about authority, 
We're talking about not only authority, but enablement to perform the authority that God has put upon your life. God gave you authority, but the authority, the word authority actually means the enablement, the power, the clothing. That's why Jesus spoke of it as power. When we're clothed and garmented with the power of God, we are enabled to perform the miracles and to do what is necessary for us to do to be able to minister that gospel of Jesus. Now, the devil's going to come against you and he'll try to stop you. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And if you're clothed and garmented with the power of God, you can overcome all the devils. I don't care what size. I've seen them come in all sizes. Big devil, fat devil, short devil, medium-sized devil. Come on. The only reason you're not saying amen, you're wondering if I'm one of them true. But we have authority and power over those enemies. And we know that this power that we have represented, the queen's robe represented authority. The policeman's uniform represents authority. The judge's robe represents authority. And clothing that we wear often represents authority that we possess. Hallelujah. I heard a young man was talking and he was fancying. He was in jail. And he was upset because he'd just been to court. There was a judge before. And he says, I wonder what kind of court we'd have if this court was held in the news. He said, why don't we hold a court in the news? He said, the only reason he's so big is because he sits the floor with his black robe on, the hammer in his hand. He said, if we all went out there in the news, nobody knows who was you. He wouldn't be any different than me. Now that's kind of a stupid, ridiculous thing to say. But yet you can see the point of what the young man was saying. It's like we're fighting a battle today. There was a battle that has been going on in Vietnam not too long ago. And there are warfares that are being, fighting, that are, that are being fought. And when our men was over there in Vietnam fighting the battle, if you came out there in your best bib and tuck or your suit and everything else with a little gun in your hand said, okay, I've come to come out on the front war. They'd say, hey, wait a minute. Don't get out here on the front line and that get up. Go back and get on your uniform. Get on your battle clothes. Be recognized with us. Clothing represents authority. The uniform of the soldier, the clothing that he wears, represents what he has. And listen, if we're going out on the front lines for Jesus Christ, we don't come out there just to be a part of it, but we have to be clothed, glory to God, with the army of God, by the power of Jesus Christ, uh, and by the anointing of His Holy Spirit, to be filled and endued and clothed with the power before we are enabled to go forth and to do that work that God has for us to do. I believe this is a message that God wants to lay upon the hearts of every one of us that we might experience a great power and authority only God can give. Do you believe that? Lift your hands with me.